Hey Trinity Life, we are in our second installment of this series called Revive, where we're talking about repentance out of Psalm 51. Because the main idea is this, repentance produces revival, like true revival. Uh, sustain revival and that's what we're after and we're going through our DNA as a church as well which is KDSC Kingdom Disciple Society Church and as I said last time we're gonna see when Kingdom Disciples engage society the church looks a certain way a certain church arises out of that and and so last time we talked about kingdom identity and this week we're talking about discipleship destiny so what is how are you to be formed as a disciple of Christ and what does repentance have to do that what does revival have to do with that because like I said last time if we want to see revival in our city and in our church it actually start with our discipleship it starts here in our hearts. Now we talked about last time, it starts in the secret heart even, the heart within the heart. And, and so hopefully we've opened that up to the Lord and we're saying, God, we want your way, not our way, because discipleship is all about the abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give us, a life that is abundant. And that includes repentance, but not the old way of thinking about repentance. And so if you missed, the last installment of this series, go check that out because we have changed the tone of repentance. We've changed the definition or, and today we're going to alter the definition of repentance a bit. So the tone, uh, remember your sin leads to death. Your sin leads to mourning, but repentance leads to, uh, leads to joy and gladness as we're going to see in these verses here. And, and Repentance is often talked about in this way. So if you're, if you're like, okay, well, what actually is repentance? Uh, the basic definition that people are going to give you, and I'd say like the average Christian definition is, well, it's a changing of your mind. It's a U-turn. It's a 180. It's, it's, a re it's renewing your mind and turning the other way. It's, it's, and, and those are true. Those aren't not true. Those definitions are, are definitely true, but it's a piece of repentance. That's not the whole thing. And so if that's the definition of repentance that you've been operating out of, well, you're missing its fullness. And you're missing the fullness of what God has for you and of what God wants for you. Because it's not just a changing of the mind. It's not just a turning, right? It's something more. It's something full. It's something abundant. It's much more than just that. And we're going to see in this passage here, verses 7 through 12, that there isn't just a mental renewal that happens. There's a renewal of your emotional self. There's a renewal of your spiritual self. And there's even a renewal of your physical self. And you can experience revival in each of those areas. And so as we talk about revive, we don't just want to revive your mind. We want to revive your, your heart, your soul, and your physical body as we talk about repentance. So check it. In verse 7, it says, it's, uh, David writing, he says, purge me with hyssop. Basically, that word purge is descend me. Take the sin away from me, right? So purge me, cleanse me with hyssop. Hyssop is, is just a, um, 
uh, a plant that's that's there that was used for cleansing uh, cleansing purposes had some medicinal purposes as well and you can see that in the scriptures uh, in Leviticus 14 uh, hyssop is used to cleanse the leper and to cleanse leprosy in numbers 19 it's used for purification after someone comes into contact with a dead body and think about that here he doesn't say cleanse me with with uh, soap you know cleanse me with um, you know I don't know what else do you use besides soap <laughs> uh, body wash shabu <laughs> he says purge me cleanse me descend me with hyssop and I shall be clean and it's an allusion to these things guys think about sin in terms of leprosy it's this it's this disease that's on our bodies that is actually contagious to others it actually corrupts others it actually plants seeds of deceit and seeds of of division and dissension and disunity and divisiveness in others right but you know when Jesus cleanses the leper in the New Testament he does something that nobody anticipates. It's Jesus. He's fully God. And so he could cleanse him. He could heal the leper just by speaking it into existence. Just by thinking it, he could probably do it, right? And by speaking it. So he could keep his distance. He could say, hey, leper over there, you're, you're cleansed. Yeah, don't come anywhere. Don't come anywhere any any closer like stay over there you're, you're cleansed okay you're, you're healed he could do it like the priest did in the Old Testament in the Hebrew scriptures where they used hyssop and they sprinkled stuff on the leper right but he doesn't even do that because that's also keeping distance he actually goes and he touches him to heal him or them I should say he touches them to heal them he doesn't stand from a distance he doesn't speak it he doesn't think it he acts it and he touches them and heals them. And he shows, and he shows us the, the power of, of the Holy Spirit. And guys, that's the same power of the Holy Spirit that you have in your battle against sin. Because sin is this leprosy that's on us, that's covered our heart, that's covered our, uh, our, your emotional self and your spiritual self, your mental self, even your physical self. It's, it's covered us fully. Sin has corrupted us all the way through. And your nature is a sinful nature, and only the power of the Spirit can cleanse it. And Jesus has come, and he's, he's touched you, and he's cleansed you, he's, he's purging you. So this, this reference to hyssop isn't just random. It's, it's Numbers 14. He's cleansing us. It's, it's, sorry, it's Leviticus 14. He's, he's cleansing us. It's, it's Numbers 19, where he says, Hey, you need this after you've come in contact with a dead body, because guess what? You are dead in your sin. You're dead in it, Paul says. But also, guess what? Now you're alive in Christ Jesus. You can experience the abundant life. And so these, these illusions are, are, are to that where they knew sin, sin was, this was this leprosy on us. It was, it was like being in contact with a dead body. And he's saying, purge me from that. God, purge me from... Uh, uh, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. You will do your work. I shall be clean. You'll do your work. This is a complete cleansing. This is, this is a, not Ephesians, uh, Isaiah 118, where in Isaiah says, your sins are like scarlet, right? They're, they're completely red. Uh, they're as red as crimson, Isaiah 18 says, but how beautiful is it that the red blood of Jesus 
doesn't just make it a different shade of red or more red. It actually makes it white. Makes, it makes us completely and utterly white. And that's what he says here. Wash me, God, and I shall be whiter than snow. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I'll be, I'll be pure. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely unblemished, like that snow that, that Missy brought. Um, it'll be completely un, unblemished, and I'll be pristine, like that white snow. That's what Isaiah says. That's what, that's what David says here, um, that, that uh, I was red, now I'm white. And, and for us, on, on this, this side of the covenant, Christ's blood does that for us. It does that, it does that work for us. And as I said last week, God does the work, guys. You, the point of repentance isn't to feel bad. Guys, your sin leads to death. Your sin leads to mourning and, and regret and guilt and shame. Repentance leads to, leads to life and abundance and, and we're going to see joy and gladness. So you don't have to be an ascetic. You don't have to uh, flagellate yourself, right? Self-flagellate. You don't have to um, beat yourself up and, and remain in guilt and shame. Jesus did all that for us. He took on the full weight of the consequences of our sin. God's wrath was poured out on him. He was the propitiation, as Paul says. That's that word uh, that he takes the wrath of God, the consequences uh, of, of God for us, for us. And he took that all on himself. And so you don't have to do that anymore. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So many of us say that, but how many of you actually believe that in your struggle against sin? We live under a new law. We live under a new kingdom identity. And that, is, and that affects and changes our discipleship destiny. Your discipleship isn't to be discipled in the ways of this world. If you have a kingdom identity, like we talked about in the first installment, now we're walking forward in our true discipleship destiny towards uh, towards true healing. And, and look at the response here in verse 8. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let me hear, wait, what? Not, let me hear wailing and mourning and crying. He says, no, let me hear joy and gladness because you've experienced the repentance of the Lord. Let me hear joy and gladness. You've experienced His mercy. You've experienced His abundant compassion. You've experienced His steadfast love. All I should be hearing from you is joy and gladness and rejoicing. And he says, let the, and, and guys, that is emotional healing. So when we're talking about repentance is a full, is, is the, the fullness of repentance, it's not just about the mind, it's not just about the spirit. This is emotional healing. It turns your wailing and mourning over sin, your guilt and shame that you may have experienced in the flesh over sin, into joy and gladness because you're experiencing the beauty, the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ and what He's taken on for us. He's taken your sin that is red as scarlet, that is red as crimson, and He's washed it white as snow, pristine. And so joy and gladness should exude out of our being, should overflow out of our mouths. It should be what everyone sees because you should be experiencing that every day as a follower of Jesus. You wake up every day and God's mercies are new every single day for you. And we get experience and walk forward in that joy and gladness. And, and so there's an emotional healing that takes place in this imagery of, he says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. So sin has, has broken our bones 
And he says, let them rejoice. How do, how do our, and this is physical healing, how do our bones rejoice? How, like, if you have a broken ankle, if you have a broken arm, how does it rejoice? By doing what it was meant to do, right? And, and then by having rest, restoration and healing. And guys, the, the, the most, um, probably the, the most rejoicing we can have as a physical body is jumping up and down and dancing, right? It's by dancing around in the joy and gladness of the Lord. Uh, I mean, it's, it's why our collective rallies have that in it. It's, we want to show joy and gladness. We want to be a part of that because so much of this world isn't multiplying joy and gladness. So much of this world doesn't experience that. But we, as a people of God, truly experience that every day because the Spirit produces that in us. And so when we're together as a body of Christ, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we celebrate? Why wouldn't we jump around for joy? Why wouldn't we dance for joy? What other environment can we do that in? Guys, joy and gladness, our bones are rejoicing. This repentance leads to physical healing. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says this, says, lean not on your own understanding, and all your, or trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And it says, uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Turn away from evil. Repentance, right? Turn away from evil. Don't think you're wise in your own eyes. Turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. That's Proverbs 3. Be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is repentance producing a physical healing. Guys, if you're steeped in guilt and shame, you're going to be like this, insular. But if you're enjoying gladness, you can't help but walk upright, but lift your head to the Lord, but lift your eyes to the help that comes from above. You can't help but do that. You can't help but say, I'm yours, God, and walk forward in that truth, in those truths. And in verse 9, he says this. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my, all my iniquities. I'm kind of chuckling because it's almost like David's like, I don't want you to see me like this. I'm hideous. Right? Don't look at me. Don't look at me like this. Um, and, um, I, and, and what happens here is, is he says to blot out all my iniquities. This is the same word that was used in verse, in verse 1. I didn't address it last week, so I'm going to address it right now. Um, but last week in verse 1 it says, you know, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Okay, And here he uses it again. He says, Hide your face from my sins. I don't want you to see them. Like, you don't, you, you, I don't want you to know me like this. Right? and blot out all my iniquities. What's, what's amazing about this too, so one thing, when God sees you, if you're in Christ Jesus, He sees Jesus. He doesn't see your sin. Your sin is as far removed from as the east is from the west, the scriptures say. If you're in Christ Jesus, He sees Jesus, because your life, as Paul says in Colossians 3, your life is hidden in Christ with God. Your life is Christ, he says. And then he says, blot out all my iniquities. And literally, this is what that, what that, word, what that word means. So, I have, a, I have a whiteboard here, right? And if we, put, if we put our sins on here, you know, you put anger on here, lust, 
pride, possessions, um, fear of man, gossip. How about gluttony? I know we just came out of the holiday season, but hey, we're in our fast right now, so... Uh, oh wait, did we finish it? We finished, yeah, we finished our fast. <laughs> Maybe some of you are still fasting. Um, gluttony, hopefully you didn't finish your fast and then go into eating everything in, in sight. Um, you know, we, we have uh, maybe just treating others poorly. Unkindness. Lack of compassion. Impatience. Okay, my writing is horrible, but you see there, like those are all of our sins, right? Not all of them, a lot of them. <laughs> the, the, these are some of our sins here, right? And what this literally means is God does this, blot out. This is what it looks like. God is taking away, he's making those sins that are red as scarlet, that are red as crimson, and he's blotting them out. He's taken them out of the book. This word is used a lot about books. And the connotation is that, that uh, when, he, when you blot something out, you erase it from the book, like it didn't even exist. And that's this, now we're white again. We're white as snow again, like it didn't even exist. And, and so David is saying that to, to God, he's saying, blot that out for me. Only you can do that. I can't do that by, by trying to punish myself or trying to be better. God, you have to do that. You have to do that work in me. And so in verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. He, last time we talked about self-awareness a bit, you know, that secret place in your heart, and, and David becomes more and more self-aware. And sometimes I think we're afraid of self-awareness because it can lead some of us to despair. Because we're afraid of what we're gonna find there. We're afraid of what we're gonna see when we look in the mirror. We're afraid of what's gonna pop out when we open that secret heart, that vault. But if you know who God is, and if you've been tracking through this passage, You've seen God in his steadfast love. You've seen God in his mercy. You've seen God in his abundant compassion. As you said in Romans 2.4, it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And that's who God is. So you know God. And if that's the case, then it should lead you to this prayer. So often we voice this prayer that David's about to say out of guilt and shame and, and trying to make ourselves feel bad. And, and, and we're saying, and, and, and God is trying to give us his grace, right? He's trying to, God is abounding in grace and, and we're saying, no, no, God, God, let me stay here in the darkness for a bit longer. I, I need to feel this. And God's like, no, I actually did that for you on the cross. So you don't have to. And guys, that doesn't wipe away the consequences of our sin. Right? There's still consequences. If you were to go out and, and rob a bank right now, 
well, and got caught, or you would be in prison for a while. Um, and then you'd feel that mentally and emotionally and spiritually as well, right? And physically, you'd be in a physical prison. Uh, but you might also be so emotionally and mentally. So you still feel consequences. Not like those just disappear. There's still consequences for our sin. But the wrath of God isn't against us anymore. The love of God is abounding. The grace of God is there. And we're saying, no, God, I know you're just waiting for me to mess up. I know you're just waiting for me uh, and you're, you're trying to punish me. No, God is not like that. And so stop picturing God as this like overbearing, demeaning father figure. He's there to lift us up and say, I took care of that for you. And so you can pray this out of joy and gladness. And you can say, create in me, this verse says, in um, verse 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, a steadfast spirit within me. So according to your steadfast love, may my spirit be steadfast. There's two words for create in Hebrew. Uh, one is more make, and the other one is when God creates in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And the word for uh, the word that God uses in uh, the word that's used in Genesis is the word that's used here to create for God to do this. Well, only God can do this work to create this clean heart in you. And sometimes we get so caught up in, in repenting and us doing the repentance and us creating a clean heart in ourselves that we excise the work of God altogether. And so this word helps us see, well, no, only God can do this. Only God can create this in our hearts. We just have to open ourselves up to that. And this word, this word create can actually refer to an instantaneous act or more of a prolonged, sustained process. That's spiritual healing. All right, this is creamy cleaner. This is a spiritual healing portion of it. And so we've talked about the emotional healing, the physical healing. This is God spiritually healing us uh, we become new creations in Christ. He can create that clean heart in us. And sometimes, guys, you can just quit something cold turkey. Sometimes that happens instantaneously. And sometimes it's a prolonged process of, of uh, just walking in step with the Spirit every day until one day you realize, wow, I'm free from that desire. And that desire is no longer with me. So... For the person who's like, man, I would just wish, I wish God would just instantaneously take, instantaneously take this evil desire out of my heart. I just encourage you to persevere. James says when steadfastness, when perseverance has its full effect, and he says to let it have its full effect, so it's whether you want that or not, you have to choose that. He says when it has its full effect, you will be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. And so I encourage you, brother, sister, persevere in that. Keep on going to God. Keep on experiencing His steadfast love because it's still there. It's abounding. His mercy is new every day. His compassion is never ending. We cannot ever exhaust it. So, so uh, and, and sometimes God will just take it. And um, we should ask for that too. Uh, verse 11, he says, this is, okay, I'm just going to take a quick couple words on this because, uh, okay, it says, cast me not away from your presence 
and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So here is a prime example where context is king. Because uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's not going to take his Holy Spirit from you. Now, we can quench the Holy Spirit, Paul says. We can reduce the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives through our sin. But God's not going to remove your salvation. Okay? Um, and, and when we've entered the throne room of God in Christ Jesus, he's not just casting us from his presence when we mess up. So I talked about earlier how God's not this overbearing bearing, uh, father figure. Sometimes we'll read that verse and we'll say, oh, well, God is. Uh, well, don't rip it out of its context of the psalm. Don't rip it out of its context of the, the Psalter. Don't rip it out of its context of the Old Testament. Don't rip it out of its context of the Bible. Okay? Because here's, here's the thing. Uh, David is, I right, talked to you about uh, Bathsheba and, and all that before. Well, David was back in, back, you can go back and read this in, in uh, First and Second Samuel. David um, experienced and had, and had seen the Spirit of the Lord, um, the anointing of the Lord removed from King Saul. And this alludes to that. And David's like, I don't want that to happen, right? The anointing as king from Saul had been taken from, had been taken from, and David was anointed king. And, uh, and Saul, uh, yeah, he, didn't, he no longer had the spirit of the Lord with him. Because back in that day, um, you see this, the new covenant is being prophesied that one day, when the Messiah comes, the Spirit of God is going to live inside us. Well, back then, that wasn't the case. When the Spirit of God came on people, um, well, eventually he, he um, came off people too. So um, it was, it, you see the Spirit of the Lord in, in points in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. But we live in the New Covenant. That's what Pentecost is all about. That's what Acts is all about. It's the Spirit of the Lord dwelling in our hearts. It's a fulfillment of uh, the prophet Isaiah, and the prophet Jeremiah, prophet Ezekiel, the, all these prophets saying uh, there's a New Covenant coming. God's Spirit is going to dwell in us. His law will be written on our hearts. He will change our heart of stone for a heart of flesh. He'll put his spirit in us. So for you today, that is not, that is not going to happen. This is, this is David's context here. Okay, um, verse 12. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of whose salvation? Restore to me the joy of your salvation, God. I didn't do anything to earn this. You didn't do anything to earn it. This is all Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection to show us a life fully lived in the spirit um, and what that looks like. And it is his salvation that he's given us. And he gives us that, that salvation. And you're, saying, and you're saying here, if you pray this, restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Because we often get joy wrong. We often... We often think, okay, if we're mourning, we can't be in joy and we can't experience joy. Or, or if we're, if we're, um, if we're, and because mourning isn't a sin. Uh, mourning is healthy and, and weeping is, is healthy for us too. Um, but we often think that, that it's the opposite of joy and it isn't. Those things actually can go together um, because joy isn't happiness, okay? 
joy's foundation is an emotion. I think that's where we get it wrong. We think joy is an emotion. Now it can be expressed emotionally, it can manifest itself as an emotion, but joy in its essence, its foundation isn't an emotion. Because at its core, it's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit's produce in our lives. Right? Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, all the way, all the way through, right? It's when the Spirit works in your, in your life through repentance, right? That's a big work of the Spirit in your heart, through repentance. He produces joy, okay? And that, and when that fruit is, is produced, when it's, uh, yeah, when it's produced, it means it's produced out of you having clarity of who you are and who God is. What we talked about earlier in the psalm. When you know God, then you know yourself. Self-awareness is born out of Savior awareness, right? You seek God, you know who Jesus is, and He reveals who you are, right? So you know your secret heart, and you know your inward being, and truth reigns there, and wisdom reigns there, instead of lies and deceit and, and sin and other things. And, and so joy is born out of that. It's born out of you knowing God and Him revealing who you are and you knowing yourself. And so the foundation there is kingdom identity. And that's how you can live out this discipleship destiny in repentance where you can experience this mental, emotional, spiritual, and yes, even physical healing from repenting and getting on your face for God and experiencing these things because you're experiencing a new, uh, you're experiencing these deep, um, amazing character traits of, of our God. And he says here, uphold me. Uphold me with a willing spirit. And so the question that I want to leave you with is, are you willing? What's your desire? What do you actually want? And as you talked about the secret heart last time, and hopefully as you have meditated on that, opened up your, your heart to God there, you know more about your motivations and your intentions now than you ever have. And so, what do you want? What do you desire? You know, I, Missy and I have been teaching our girls this for years. When they do something wrong, they mess up, we always teach them. We don't just say, don't do that. We tell them why. And, and we sit down with them. And guys, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of intentionality. It's, uh, it's, it's not lazy parenting. It's, it, it takes a lot of time. And, and uh, so we sit down with our, our girls. And at, at the end of it, this was a few years ago now, now they have shifted. Um, they would say, they, they would just repeat what I said to them or repeat what Missy said to them. And I, and I would say, hey, girls, I don't just want you to repeat what I say or do what I want. I want to know what you want to do. And so do you want to not do this again? Because if you don't, that's fine. We can talk about that and talk about why you shouldn't or, and, and you can make your decision. Um, but if you do, I want to hear that. I want to hear the intention of your heart. I don't just want you to do what I want you to do. I don't just want you to say this so I get off your back. I don't want you to say this so that, um, you know, for whatever reason. I just want to know what you want. I want to know what your desire is. Because that's where you're really going to shape somebody. You're really going to help them understand who they are. That's actually the key to parenting. It's the key to discipleship. 
And so I've been doing that with our girls for years. I was saying, well, well, what do you want? Just tell me what, what you actually want and what your desire is. And, and that's so key for this because here he says, he says, uphold me with a willing spirit. Is your spirit even willing to, to not do that sin? Is your spirit even willing to do that? Is your heart willing to say, no, I don't want that sin anymore. I actually want to experience this abundance from now on. James 1 says this, it says, but each person is tempted, is tempted and lured and enticed by his own desire. So it's this desire, it's what you want. And it's your own desire that tempts you to do that. And then when that desire has been conceived, and then, guys, it's this imagery here, like that desire in your heart is conceived and it gives birth to sin. And so the baby it produces is sin. And then when sin has fully grown into adulthood, right, it brings death. Where are your desires right now? Are they conceived yet? If they are, is your desire a baby? Because as that grows, it's going to produce more and more death in your life and in your heart. But Psalm 40 earlier here says, I delight to do your will, God. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the posture of discipleship. That's your destiny. That's the posture of being a kingdom disciple. God, I delight in your will, not my desires. I don't want them to give birth and, and, and um, produce death. I want your desires to, to uh, form and shape the direction of my life. I want truth to reign in my inward being. I want wisdom to reign in my secret heart. And guys, that is mental. That is the mental turn, right? That is, that is all this mental healing that we're talking about. So physical, emotional, spiritual, mental. It's a fullness. Repentance has a fullness to it. It's, full, it's, it's a full being turning away from this desire, from this sin. And it's only through repentance that uh, holistic discipleship can be produced. And that is actually your destiny. Your destiny in Christ isn't to be, just have your spiritual stuff over here. It's to have your whole being shaped by the blood of Christ cleansing you, making you white as snow, so that you experience joy and gladness, and you can start to share that with others. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for cleansing me. Thank you that I did not have to do anything except open myself up to you and say, I believe, help my unbelief, shape me, make me into who you want me to be. I accept your forgiveness, I accept your love, and I want to operate in those things moving forward. 
And so I pray that over those who are listening, pray that over our church, that we'd be a church that does that, that, that those who are listening right now would, would just say, I want that and I want to do that. Because we want to see repent, repentance produce revival in our lives. In your name, amen.